This is a Soulfire production. Episode of Politically Homeless. Glad you're here. Um, special episode today, or special broadcast, whatever you want to call it. I guess I'm not broadcasting because this is not live, but it'll be out right as soon as I get done with it. We're putting it right out. We're gonna go. Um, we're gonna go raw here. We're gonna just discuss um, the Russia and Ukraine situation. Before we even get into that, though, um, because that's the only thing we're gonna talk about. It'll be a shorter show today. I just I had a show, whole whole show lined up before this whole thing happened. So it's been um, the last two days just kind of sorting out what's going on, trying to get my thoughts in order. Um, did not see this coming, which is frustrating and it's sad, of course. Um, you know, maybe we'll end up in World War Three. World War Three. who knows? Um, I've been wrong about things in this department before. So uh, I want to go on with some caveats. I'm not a foreign relations expert. That's not what I do. That's not what interest me. That's not what drew me to doing this show. Um, but I can look at trends and I can look at through lines and I can look at where we're at, how we got here and, um, remain objective and we'll get into it. I'm, I'm doing the best I can to do that. Of course, I do have my own bias. Um, I'm a pretty feverish anti-war, um, advocate. Uh, I think it only did, did serves to damage the working class of, the country's involved while the elites fucking stack cash like it's nobody's business. So that's the perspective I look at this from. Also, I don't I don't come at this from a perspective of American exceptionalism. Um, if that's the way that you look at these things, uh, we're probably not going to be in alignment. And that, I understand that. I, I think there there's some validity to that stance. I just I, I don't see um, the value it adds culturally or to me personally. So. Um, not going to be viewing it through that lens. Uh, some things will be different in this show. Uh, I'm just going to show some things, play some things, talk about some things. Um, and really, you know, when I think about what I'm doing here, and this has been a really frustrating couple of days for me, um, not to make it about me because I'm not in Ukraine. And if I was, it would be much more uh, frustrating slash terrifying. Um, but what I want to do here is just kind of talk through what I'm thinking. This is going to be a very raw show. Um, what I'm thinking, how I'm thinking about this stuff, how I'm looking at it. Um, I haven't come to any conclusions yet, and I don't think that's necessarily even valuable to come to conclusions at this moment. Um, but I'm keeping an open mind, and I'm staying curious about what the best plan of action is. Um, I don't think that Biden is the most competent person to be, person to be handling this, especially including his ties to uh, Ukraine via his son and companies like Burisma. So there's a lot of, a lot of fuckery afoot. And that's one of the things that's been so confusing to me and so frustrating is that um, there's just so much fuckery. It's even like, for me, who's good at sussing out the fuckery, it's got my like head tied in knots. Um, because there's so many conflicting feelings and thoughts and historical evidence. And it's just, you, you want to think like maybe... This is a part of a bigger thing that I'm just not really comprehending now. I mean, fuck Alex Jones pre predicted a huge war in February, like several months ago. So we're here. Um, 
and I've even turned to like Infowars and be like, what the fuck are these people saying? Because nothing seems to make any sense. And we've got a, the predictable Warhawks coming out and doing their thing and their song and dance. And that's a whole other deal. It's it, finding a, appropriate and accurate information is goddamn near impossible at this point. And, and <laughs> I don't know, like, right. Like we, I'm sure a lot of you have seen the video today of the tank rolling over the, that, uh, the little sedan, and rolling over and then backing over it. Apparently the guy inside is okay. People say it's a Russian tank in Kiev. I don't know. That could have been a video from five years ago in a different country. I'm not there. So I'm trying to withhold as much judgment as I can. That could have been a, a, a Ukrainian tank. I don't know what the fuck's going on. I'm not over there. But I know there's been a lot of meddling. And I'm going to talk about maybe some things that we could need or want or that would help be helpful. Um, I've been turning to uh, Glenn Greenwald, Sauger and Jetty a lot for this. Kim Iverson, I feel like has done a really good job. And she and I align um, a lot on a lot of different things. But Kim Iverson, uh, a little bit less known. She's on Rising now pretty often. Um, but, you know, I'm critical of the United States, especially when it comes to military action. Um, we don't have a lot of credibility. Um, and it's hard. It's hard to be in a country where you're like, we just don't have the credibility to, to make decisions that impact the world stage like we did pre the last 20 years. Um, and even then it was diminishing. And, and we've, again, we'll I'll talk about some of the meddling we've, meddling we've done in Ukraine. If you're looking for a foreign relations expert analysis on this, this is not that. But maybe I can provide you with a little bit of value in how I'm looking at this thing and just kind of talking through it with you guys um, as we go. But since we are doing just this one segment show, I do want to give a shout out to our sponsors. Given that uh, World, World War III could be around the corner, uh, I think our sponsors could provide you with some kind of <laughs> with some kind of, of uh, juicy goodness. So starting off, guys, we're not even going to do the whoosh sound for it. We're just going, this is a raw show, I'm telling you. We're just going for it. I uh, want to give a quick... Um, Ad read, I guess, is what we're doing. I'm just kind of going off the cuff here. Uh, to Element, Element, uh, Elemental Labs, our longtime sponsor, one of my favorite beverages of all time. You mix it with your water. It's got magnesium and salt in it. It is sugar-free. It increases your hydration nation. Okay? So you need these electrolytes, especially if you're on a low-carb keto or you just are very active if you're in that category or if you're the type of person who drinks sports drinks still. That's a problem. Don't do that to yourself. You're better than that. Check out Element, guys. If you go to drinkelement.com slash wanderers, the link is in the show notes of this show, you can get a free uh, variety pack for five, well, free for $5. It's, it's a free variety pack, but you cover shipping for $5. As you can tell, I'm a little bit uh, uh, cumbersome in my brain today. Guys, Element's fantastic. You guys have, have really showed up. You guys have bought a lot of this stuff. You guys have gotten a lot of free packages. Um, you know you got to cover that $5 shipping, but that's really no big deal for the value, value you're getting in that variety pack. It's some of their most popular flavors, and you can get an idea of what's going on. I love the grapefruit and the watermelon. I drink it every single day. I love starting my day with it. It feels really good. I get more, more especially in the wintertime, because it's so dry here in Colorado. Um you don't drink enough water because it's cold and you don't think you're thirsty. It really helps me get more water in my life, more water in my body, better hydration. Check it out, guys. Drinkelement.com, D-R-I-N-K-L-M-N-T.com slash wanders. And then, of course, um, I'm sure everybody just like me is a little bit stressed out right now. And one great tool to deal with stress and stress management and getting quality sleep whenever you're a little bit overwhelmed, like that might be happening right now for a lot of you, is CBD. 
And there's a lot of CBD companies out there, but a lot of them are garbage. And a lot of them haven't even made it through the pandemic because they didn't have the brand, um, kind of brand loyalty and the proven track record that Cured Nutrition has. They've actually found a way to grow over the past two years, which is just really impressive to me and speaks a lot to the quality um, of their business and the quality of their products. So guys, blending adaptogens, medicinal mushrooms, and CBD is something that doesn't get done that often and definitely doesn't get done well with high-quality products that often. And that is what Cured offers. It's a very novel blend of adaptogens, medicinal mushrooms, and CBD in a variety of, of packages and um, time-oriented dosages that can help you in the morning, midday, to sleep, They've got pet products. They've got beverages, a euphoria drink that's a it's a spark, kind of like a sparkling flavored water with a bunch of vitamin D and, and medicinal mushrooms. It's like a really really cool product line, and it is. They've done an amazing job. It's a smaller business. They run out they run out of Colorado, so you support an American company. This stuff isn't coming from China or anything like that. These guys do an amazing job. I love them. They're the founder. Full transparency is a good friend of mine. They've done an amazing job, and I'm really proud that they're um, that they're doing so well. And I'm really grateful to have them sponsoring this show. So, guys, if, you, if that sounds interesting to you at all, you can go to curednutrition.com. You can use promo code homeless, and that's going to get you 10% off of your order. You can click that link in the show notes. That'll uh, let them know that you came from here. So, check that out, guys, as well. Cured Nutrition and Element. They're our show sponsors for the day. Now, let's get into just talking about Russia and Ukraine. Different kind of show today. I appreciate appreciate you guys bearing with me. We're just going to talk some things out, and I'm just going to do the best I can because trying to put a cohesive plan together for this whole thing was uh, was a struggle, and I think the best thing I can do for you guys and myself is just kind of talk through some things and uh, show you some things that I found valuable uh, in this really brutal time. Um, and just you know, feel for the Ukrainian people, feel for the Russian people as well who are going to have to be dealing with the consequences of this action because you know the oligarchs over there are going to be fine. Uh, but it's 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 the citizenry and and the the working class people that are going to bear the brunt of of most of this, and that's that's a tragedy in itself. So let's dive in. It's time. The state of things. All right, so we got in here and um, the other night, actually, two nights ago, I woke up. Or I wouldn't wake up. I was I was in bed. It was like nine. I was went to bed early. Couldn't really sleep. Got up and uh, checked my DMs. And Nicholas, one of the guys from the Patreon, who we've got a, a little uh, Instagram friendship going on, he said, "Hey, I didn't think uh, World War Three was going to start today." And I was like, "Wait, what?" So open the laptop, and the first thing that pops up was Kim Iverson's live stream. Uh, where she's kind of doing what I was doing, what I'm doing now, she was doing it then, just kind of like feeling this whole thing out based on limited information. And now we have more information, but I don't know if we've actually gotten anywhere. Um, uh, Zelensky has done, I think, a, a decent job of leading Ukraine through this situation. He has not bailed. He's not left. He's not fled. I know there was some Russian propaganda that said that he had, but he was posting selfie videos on the front lines uh, with his soldiers. They were training civilians, handing out assault rifles. Like they were, they're going for it over there, and things have gotten have gotten quite odd. I did not see this coming. I did not think this was actually happen. I thought it was a bunch of like posturing and 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 saber rattling, but here we are. Um, there's a few things we need to consider. First, uh, this region that is very disputed against has been 
hasn't really been a part of Ukraine for the past like eight years. And Ukraine has shelled them pretty heavily. Civilians have died at the hands of Ukraine. Ukrainian citizens have died in the hands of Ukraine. Like there's not, a, there's a lot of moral gray here. And that's one of the problems in this situation is that there's not really a moral leader, right? Looking at the United States history, I know that many of you, especially the conservatives out there, um, view America as this like ex- exceptional moral leader. Um, you'll see people like Charlie Kirk and Candace Owens kind of built their brands on on that idea. That's an idea that I just don't feel comfortable with and don't feel is very productive to me personally. Um, I don't think it's productive in, in public discourse. I think what it does is creates a, a layer of plausible deniability for atrocities and uh, kind of a, a, a breeding ground for justification of atrocities. Um, you know, so when someone's crying about civilians dying in Ukraine at the hands of Russia, I really don't give a fuck that they're saying that. I don't really take their opinion or their thoughts or their criticism um, as justified or or even worth listening to unless they were doing the same thing considering uh, the death of civilians at the hands of Israel or the death of civilians at the hands of the United States. Okay, so civilian casualties are casualties are this or civilian casualties. Doesn't matter who did it. It's the same tragedy. It's the same loss of life. It is people that did not deserve to die, dying, at the hands of, generally speaking, a more powerful and more dominant force. So that kind of sets up the framework at, at which I view foreign intervention. When it comes to Russia. There's been so much posturing and so much meddling from the U.S. when it comes to Russia's neighbors. We've brought in multiple of their neighbors into NATO. Um, We've placated this so much, and we've played this game where we're really, I mean, (laughs) it's like they're dealing with the, the Cuban Missile Crisis times five over there, right? We were freaking the fuck out and almost started a nuclear war over the Soviet Union putting nuclear weapons in. In, uh, in Cuba, right? We lost our shit. If Putin made an alliance with Mexico, I think we'd be pretty fucking pissed, right? And NATO was explicitly kind of created to, to counterbalance the Soviet Union and Russia. So I can understand his frustration. And when I think about this, and when I think about American intervention, right, and the American kind of mindset when it comes to intervening in, in foreign wars or starting foreign wars oftentimes or or coups, right? Or whatever the fuck we think is, is appropriate. I think about arrogance. Arrogance is the first word that comes to mind. Hubris, perhaps, even. That's how I that, that's what I see. That's what I think when I think about American military action. It's just like hubris, arrogance. When I think about Russian, the Russian people, they're a proud people. They're delusionally proud oftentimes because history shows that like Russian leaders doing what Putin is doing that doesn't generally generally work out well for the um, Russian people. It, it's pride and it's delusional to think that this could work out. And we're going to get into some takes on that specific thing here. Now, what we're seeing a lot of times is, is if somebody comes out and is um, takes an anti-war stance, they're called like a Russian asset or a Putin puppet or all these things. Tulsi Gabbard's been getting dragged for saying like, hey, Maybe this is stupid. And the whole time, we could have just said the obvious, right? That Ukraine's not going to be a part of NATO. 
It's not going to happen. Even if they would have put a bid in to be in NATO, Germany would have been like, fuck no. So they would have vetoed that whole deal. It wasn't going to happen. But our hubris and our American exceptionalism doesn't let us lead the way in admitting that and calling Putin's bluff. Because it seems like Putin fucking knew that. He's not stupid, right? So that was his cover to do something he's wanted to do. And leveraging the current social climate and political climate of the United States this is the time to do it. This was a, It makes total sense why I did it. Like, Putin is not a stupid guy. So, we could have said that, and they said if he would have done it anyways, well, then now we have, it's more transparent, and there's more support, and there's more justification for any kind of action. Right? But we didn't do that. Right? And a lot of this has to do, as well, with this Nord Stream 2 pipeline. And this is something I feel like people aren't discussing that much. They completed this pipeline from Russia to Germany. So they're going to be able to deliver a lot of natural gas to Europe. Right? It was going to, I think it was going to be 70% of Europe's natural gas was going to come from Russia. The United States, of course, doesn't like that because we need the boogeyman. We need the Russian boogeyman. I don't view Russia as our eternal enemy. I don't. I don't think it's helpful to, to look at the world that way. Maybe they view us as their eternal enemy. I don't, I don't, I'm not Russian. I don't know. But I don't think it's productive to look, view at them as our eternal enemy. But the fact that they, the, Germany and Russia invested billions into this pipeline and then they're like, nah, because NATO's pissed or the United States is pissed because they want to they make the money selling their natural gas. I mean, I can't imagine somebody who, who uh, wants free markets that, is, it doesn't, that, that criticizes this. I don't, like Trump's line on this Nord Stream 2 pipeline, I'm like, so we should just bar Russia from making money from their petro state? But we can do it all we want? Like it's it's such a it's such a double standard, and I don't understand it. Like it makes more sense for Europe to get natural gas from their neighbor. I don't understand why that's a controversial statement. Now we're try, I do agree with Trump, and I watched an old video of him discussing this. Is that we spend way too much fucking money, a four point something percent of our GDP, which is gigantic by the way, on military defense for NATO to defend NATO countries. Germany hasn't increased their defense spending. The rest of Europe hasn't increased their defense spending, but we just increase ours constantly. And we're the fucking world police. Now, we also are home to the defense contractors, right? And the weapons manufacturers. So there's probably something going on there because of the revolving door between the Pentagon and board seats at Raytheon and Lockheed Martin. Of course, that's probably part of it. But what I really think here is that we're seeing a lot of talking heads and a lot of hyperbolic takes and a lot of all these things. What we're not seeing is this robust conversation, this robust debate in Congress. And because of the the, the expansion of the executive branch and the ability to just create war from the executive branch alone over the past 20, 30 years, that's only expanded, you can completely circumvent having these kind of discussions. And create war. Which to me makes World War III seem much more likely. But we deserve that debate. Now you have Zelensky saying, you know, this could be the last time you see me alive. That's fucking crazy. And now they're willing to discuss Ukraine neutrality. Because it seems like what Putin wants is a buffer state between him and Europe. But we've been poking the bear here for so fucking long. 
Like in 2014, the annexation of Crimea, when that all happened, that's because we ran a fucking coup in Ukraine and installed the Western leader. That's that's true. That happened under the Obama administration. I mean, <laughs> what do you think's going to, do you think these chickens are going to come home to roost, baby? Like, come on. What the fuck did you think was going to happen? You keep insulting a proud nation and you think they're not going to eventually do something? And these regions that he recognized as independent, well, it seemed like they kind of wanted to fucking be independent. They they appreciate a shared culture with Russia. They speak Russian. Cool. And especially with Nord Stream getting nixed, it's like, well, you kind of need more and more sanctions, and they're, they're not going to take them off the global banking system. But, like, if they did, then now Russia has no choice but to take Ukraine. And they're not a part of NATO, so there's not going to be any NATO support. Germany doesn't want to go to war with Russia. Europe doesn't want to go to war with Russia. Us being thousands of miles away, we could sit here and, like, sideline quarterback all we want. But it's not actually that it comes at a cost to us. I mean, think about World War II, for example, when we were allies with Russia, which we've been allies with Russia in every major war outside the Cold War. But, like, looking at this, they lost 27 million people. In World War II. I think we lost tens of thousands or maybe a couple hundred thousand. I don't know the exact numbers. 27 million people. The cost of a war between NATO allied countries and Russia doesn't really come to the shores of the U.S. outside of some kind of nuclear attack that gets past our missile defense systems. So we don't have to feel it. We can just sit here and posture. And, of course, Raytheon stock's gone up. Lockheed Martin stock has gone up in the past day. And it was so predictable, right? If I wasn't a principled human being, I would have gone heavy into Raytheon and Lockheed Martin. But I can't I can't not justifiably make money. I want them to be overinflated, and I want to short those motherfuckers, and I want to make money as their stock comes down. That's how I want to, that's how I want to make money from Raytheon and Lockheed. I would love that. But you've got to also understand within Russia... Even the anti-Putin liberal people in Russia do not want NATO surrounding them. They don't. It only serves to further instigate the situation. So when we look at the whole thing, this is so completely complex and nuanced, right? Like as Sagar was talking about how George W. Bush and Iraq turned the Russian people against the United States. And up until that point, and even some since then, Russia has become more European in the way that they dress, act, way their cities look. It's looking like a much nicer place. And they've, they've made a lot of progress. And people there are spending money and making more money, and it's been, it's been good. I'm sure the pandemic hammered them like it did everybody else, but it seems like it was becoming more European, which maybe Putin doesn't like. But even, <laughs> this isn't like an unpopular thing in, in Russia for them not to want NATO. Like that's, that's, that's the predominant stance among the Russian people. Now, I want to show you guys a little bit here about um, just what we're seeing. So this is, I want to play, this is like three and a half minutes long. This is from Tucker Carlson show, who's the only person who'll have to Tulsi Gabbard on because I guess she's a thought criminal or whatever. Um, I guess she's doing this in between her talk at CPAC. But um, yeah, so let's see what she has to say here. So quick democracy check, the polls show, and these of course were taken before the invasion, that the vast majority of Americans oppose getting involved in the conflict in Ukraine. 
Chelsea Gabbard has watched all of this from the beginning. Of course, she is a military veteran currently serving, by the way, a former member of Congress. She's been denounced as a foreign agent for speaking on behalf of the majority of Americans. She joins us tonight. Congressman, thanks so much for coming on. Um, Thank you. So what, what's your reaction to what we've seen in the past 24 hours? Uh, well, first of all, I do not in any way support Putin's decision to go into Ukraine. It is causing and going to cause an immense amount of suffering uh, yes. for the people there. I've been to Ukraine a few times. I have personal friends who are still in Ukraine. People have nothing to do with politics. Everyday Ukrainians, and they're afraid, Tucker, and they're angry. They're angry yeah. at Russia. They're angry at America, and they're angry at the failure of leadership that could have prevented this. And that is the thing that is most tragic about this heartbreaking situation with this war is that it could have been avoided. If President Biden and NATO had done exactly what you were just talking about in, in agreeing, hey, we're gonna take NATO off the table for Ukraine, something that both the US and NATO have agreed is not likely to ever happen and something that is a legitimate security concern for Russia, that they, can, they won't accept having US and NATO troops on their border within Ukraine. Had the U.S. and NATO leadership done this, this situation could have, could, could have been uh, prevented. I think, I so, think the, the, the problem here in America is that uh, people who bring this up, people who ask these questions, people who challenge the decisions that the Biden administration uh, has been making in this uh, are, are smeared and, and character, caricaturized um, as traitors, uh, yes. rather than actually pointing at the truth, which is this administration is not acting in the best interest of the American people. They are turning their backs on the American people. So now that the current policy has failed, and I don't know anybody who thinks the invasion of Ukraine is a good thing, um, how volatile a situation is it? I mean, people don't seem to want to address that question, but these things tend to escalate in ways you don't anticipate, like sideways. Are you worried about that? I'm extremely concerned about it, and this is what you and I have talked about in the days and weeks leading up to this situation, forecasting exactly what we are seeing playing out today, where you see this back and forth, where uh, you have the leader of Russia and the leader of the United States of America saying, hey, yes, if they cyber attack, we are going to attack back stronger. This escalation of a tit for tat will only continue to increase. And no one, no one in the Biden administration, the leadership in this country is saying, where does this go? Where does it end? What, do, what does it resolve? And what will it continue to cost the American people? The most dangerous thing is that we're talking about an escalation of conflict between the two great nuclear armed powers in the world who have nuclear armed missiles at the ready, prepared to launch at a moment's notice. And so whether this, this could get to that point intentionally or mistakenly through a miscalculation, as we've seen happen right. numerous times throughout history, this is the seriousness of the, of the threat that we are facing. I think that's nicely put. Tulsi Gabbard, great to see you tonight. Yeah, it's a slippery, slippery slope. Now she said that and she put out a tweet. We're gonna look at some of the responses from the blue checks on Twitter on her tweet. So she says, this war and suffering could, suffering could have been easily avoided avoided if Biden, Edmund, and NATO had simply acknowledged Russia's legitimate security concerns regarding Ukraine becoming a member of NATO, which means the U.S.-NATO forces right on Russia's border. Um, Fred Wellman, not sure who this guy is, says, you need to throw away your armor, army uniform, you fucking traitor. Matt Zeller, who's actually another, a fellow service member here, another blue check on Twitter, you're a traitor and a coward. 
resign your commission and go home to your handlers in Moscow. Of course, she was called a Russian asset by that twat basket, Hillary Clinton. Um, Rachel Vindman, who I'm sure never served or never will serve or isn't ca- capable or competent enough to serve, says you're a fucking traitor. And then this dude says Tucker Carlson needs to be held accountable. Interesting stuff. Now, there were a lot of people that were wrong about this. A lot of people didn't see this coming. And a lot of people, rightfully so, didn't trust the United States intelligence community because if you were a betting man or woman, uh, betting against them and their intelligence um, would be the right move most of the time. But here's Sagar and Jetty, somebody I really respect, discussing this. This is why Putin's move was so colossally foolish. He has single-handedly fulfilled Hawk's wildest dreams. United Western public against Russia. Ensures massive U.S.-EU defense budgets for years to come. Perma deployment of NATO eastern flank and decades of tension on the continent. Can't argue with that. Prior to the UKR invasion, Europe was asleep at the wheel and had been for decades. He, he has now redirected one-fifth of the world's GDP to higher defense spending. Yep, buy that Lockheed stock, baby. Washington for years will now now will ap- appropriate literally billions more to NATO defense than ever before. So if you are concerned about uh, government spending, as I am, this didn't do us any favors. As for the Russian people, I feel especially bad for them. They now have to live in a much shittier version of the Soviet Union for the, at least the next generation. So we're not arguing here that, or I'm not arguing here that, that it's a good thing that he invaded Ukraine. I think that this is Putin's decision, and Putin is overall, if we had to name a big bad here, he was the bad actor. He made the decision. It was his call. Um, but we have to also look at the complete picture and take a responsibility and accountability for our mistakes and our overreach and our hubris in this situation. Um, yeah, I mean, that's, that, that to me seems abundantly clear. Um, it's a very nuanced situation. And I think heterodox opinions on this are going to be, are, are going to be the ones that you seek that are going to provide the most value if you can seek those out and find them. Um, now here, Kim Iverson said this, you just tweeted this a bit ago. We created this this issue in Ukraine. We ousted their government, installed one we liked. We gave Ukraine confidence and false promises. Then we poked the beast over and over again with NATO talk and watched and and watched on the sidelines cheering for them to fight to the death with zero assistance. Now she's getting dragged here as well, um, but I we played a role in this, guys. We played a role in this, and that's something that we have to really be mindful of. And 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 our role on the world stage and how little. And how little credibility we have on the world stage due to the number of wars and regime change wars and overthrows. And it's like, oh, uh, Saddam Hussein's looking pretty good, dude. He's pretty trustworthy. Well, no, that didn't really work out. Oh, Osama bin Laden. Let's see that the, that didn't really work out either. It's like this. we've had the same fucking story over and over again. It's like it's it's why do we think it's our right? Right, and then we can, and then, and then the the line is, and this is why Tulsi. I mean, we'll see this when Tulsi if Tulsi runs again in twenty twenty four, which I hope she does. It'd be really interesting to see. But she, the thing is, she's going to be called a Russian agent. That that's the default now. And the, and these like Russia Gate hawks, like Rachel Maddow, is just so excited because she gets to talk about Russia some more. Like that's where we're at. We've been playing this game, made this boogeyman even more and more and more because of Trump and Trump's a Russian asset since the eighties and the P tape and Russia Gate, Russia Gate, Russia Gate. It's it's all been leading to this. It seems like, you know, I mean, we've been out of a war for five goddamn minutes and we're on the brink of this. Like make it make sense. 
And so when I talk about our lack of a moral high ground here, I think it's really important. You have to zoom out and look at that. You have to consider that when you think about military action, in my opinion. That's so fucking important. And I thought that Russell Brand, who has now become one of the best investigative journalists in the fucking world, which is strange, with 5 million subscribers and growing every day, um, he's done a great job with this. And I, th I really appreciate what he has to say right here. And perhaps this is the key point. We know that our nations have invaded Libya, Iraq, Vietnam, Korea, that there's been military conflict for the last 50 years whenever it's expedient for the American superpower or British colonialism or France, you know, in Tunisia. This is commonly understood. You know, that kind of it's okay when we do it mentality can't wash anymore. People are too awake to it. So you can't mobilize people in the same way you once could. Look at what Russia's doing. It's shocking. And indeed, it is shocking. But all of us are aware of what's happened in Eastern Europe and in the Middle East, all over the world. We know that our countries will do whatever they need to do in order to sustain economic convenience and advancement. So there is no moral value set that we can refer to. We can't go, we would never do that. That's what's required. I suppose that allows us to bring it back home. Like something like this. I was, a friend of mine rang me and goes, I'm really worried about Ukraine. And I, I was like, well, how do we deal with geopolitics in an individual human life? Perhaps only with recourse to our own moral stance, the way we treat one another and our own expectations of our own government. For example, if it's commonly understood that Western intervention in the situation between Russia and Ukraine is a moral imperative for humanitarian reasons, then... What do we do about inequality, homelessness and suffering in our own nations? Many people will say, and go, no, there is a difference, Russell, between military action and death by violence to the slow entropic decay of people caused by poverty. And of course, there is a difference. But when you're seeking to go to war based on moral certainty, you better be sure that moral certainty is something that you can access as a result of your own convictions, your own behavior, your own history. And I think a lot of our uncertainty in this situation comes from our deep knowledge that our governments are no different than Russia, that our government will do whatever it needs to do to advance its own agenda. It's not like some playbook that we're consulting on. We better not do that. That seems wrong. Ultimately, Putin's actions reveal the reality of what geopolitics is. If we want something, we'll take it. Time and again, what? If we want something, we'll take it. And I can't say that the, the U.S. has been any different. If we look at the history, right? And maybe the intelligence state will... will look at this whole thing and use it as a way to expand even more. And now if you're a Russian sympathizer, we're going back to the McCarthy era. So this, if we want it, we'll take it mentality. It's hard for me to sit here and be like, yeah, America needs to go and do something about this. When all I've seen is America fuck it up for my entire lifetime to death devastation and now we have our own shit to deal with and we haven't handled that well either within our own borders so there's a lot to think about here it's a challenging situation but we can keep a level head we can keep our feet on the ground find some quality resources Kim Iverson the team at breaking points shit Russell Brand <laughs> Glenn Greenwald, Matt Taibbi, these people that, that, that have been doing a great job 
Uh, I'll find some more. I'll be sharing more of their stuff on social media, trying to keep um, keep it grounded and really look at this thing for the whole picture that it is because it's not something that's happening right now. It's something that's been happening for a long time and there's a lot of moving pieces and a lot going on here. So the best we can do is stay level-headed, keep our feet on the ground, you know, clear eyes, full hearts, can't lose, right? You guys are awesome. Thank you for tuning in. I appreciate you being patient with me as I kind of sort this thing out. I appreciate you letting me just talk it out with you guys. I hope there was some value in here for some of you guys. Um, support our sponsors if you can. Join the Patreon if you can. Patreon.com slash politically homeless. Links in the show notes. We'll be getting into it um, this week on the Patreon episode. This weekend, actually, on Sunday, we'll be getting into this more. I'm sorting through the, the Q&A stuff right now. So if you want to be a part of that, if you have some specific stuff you want to dive into, that's a great place for it. But until next time, more important than ever, keep your fucking head on straight. I love you guys, and we'll see you next time. Bye-bye.